Aloha, adventurer. How are you? It's Joshua Loya, your friendly neighborhood Jedi. And uh, this week, we have such a cool conversation. Uh, for me, personally, as a lover of stories and a lover, of course, of things Star Wars. Yeah, right? Like a guy whose nickname is Joshua the Jedi. Like, I'm not going to enjoy Star Wars, of course. Um, I mentioned actually in the, the episode that my dad took me to see Star Wars, when I was not even a year old, I was in diapers, and he took me to see uh, Empire Strikes Back. So um, <laughs> this was really, really cool for me as a totally blind Star Wars fan. Nicole Sanzarella, amongst her many credits, she did the audio description reading. Uh, the she was the narration, or the one who read the voice, the one who read the audio description script. There you go. I can speak. I promise. Uh, if you uh, turn on audio description uh, for The Mandalorian, uh, you will hear Nicole's voice. And if you listen to a bunch of other countless audiobooks, she's done over like 300 or something, uh, you get to hear her voice too. And if you stick around to this episode, you'll get to hear her talk. And she has lots of really cool stuff to say. She has a really neat um, journey uh, in terms of owning her life uh, and really living it fully. Um, you know, we talk about uh martial arts a little bit because she's uh she's just boxing training we talk about uh well well you will let you figure it out but um definitely if you're a star wars fan you will want to listen to her talk about her experience um being involved in uh season one and season two of the mandalorian doing the audio description for that and uh yes we do talk about the scene and that's about all i'll say about that last thing i will say though if you could uh, give us a follow on Instagram. You know, you have my personal Instagram at Joshua the Jedi, but please, 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 I want more people to know about this podcast. And one of the greatest ways we could do that, one of the greatest ways we can get the word out is, uh, you know, uh, you can make sure you don't miss an episode or miss uh, all the little clips that we post out on social media if you follow Aloha Adventurer. So that's on Instagram, you can search for Adventure Mind, you'll find us, but the actual Instagram tag is at A-L-O-H-A-A-D-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-R, Aloha Adventurer. So please uh, f- give us a follow on Instagram and uh, you know engage with us there and we'll, uh, we'll see what's up and, and uh, maybe you can, uh, you know, we'll, I don't know. I'd like it, please. So if you like us, if you like the show at all, please uh, give us a follow on Instagram. I'd really appreciate it. At Aloha Adventurer. And now, without further ado, Nicole Sanzarella. Aloha Adventurer. Yes, I changed it up a little bit. Uh, welcome to the podcast. I am Joshua Loya, a.k.a. Joshua the Jedi, the aspiring servant warrior. And I have, um, I know we have more than visually impaired people listening, uh, but if you're listening to that voice and you're going, gosh, she sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, I, I know that many of you are, are lovers of audiobooks, as, as I am. Um, and... I'm sure it's so weird to think about somebody who was given the name Joshua the Jedi that I might be a Star Wars fan, of course, also. <laughs> Nicole Sanzarella uh, does, uh, for those of you who who checked out the audio description for The Mandalorian, that's where you would have heard her voice, but she's done tons of stuff. Nicole, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on and being here with you. Right on. Um, and and I, I, I mentioned this a little bit before um, we actually started the recording. 
but I, I it's going to take me a second because it's been, <laughs> I think, several years since you and I actually spoke via voice since yeah. we did the, the panel at Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, and I made the mistake. I, I did it the, fir- the day before I met Scott Brick. Uh, I, I, I did it again with you. I started listening to... Um, one of the first of the Mars Colony novels that you narrated. Oh, cool! I'm actually and, in the booth right now doing another one of those. Oh, that's really things. funny. That's what yeah, I was doing yeah. this morning. <laughs> that's funny. That, that's, oh, that's awesome. But but of course, there's that thing where, um, and I don't know if this is a voice thing. If this is, but I think there's always that whenever you meet somebody whose voice feels familiar, there's yes. sort of that separate. Oh, 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 right. I'm talking to a real person because, you know, I, I've talked about before when I first met Scott Brick, I made the mistake of listening to a book the night before and we're, <laughs> we're debriefing right before we did our panel at Comic-Con and took it took me like 15 minutes. So uh, I think I'm yeah. going to be a little bit quicker on the uptake with, with you. All right. I hey, if I, if I can bring more. you to Mars a little bit right now, like if talking <laughs> to me makes you feel like you're back there, then that's a pretty cool trip. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, I'm honestly just in the first couple chapters. So cool. Um, Very cool. But how, so you've done, I think, uh, I, I read somewhere, and I don't know if, how up to date this was, uh, that you just recently passed a little over 200 books. What are you up to now? I on the, am on the book narration front. Around 275 these days, um, which is, I'm still astonished by that. I mean, there's so many people that have had, you know, I mean, Scott Brigg being one of them who's right. probably got a thousand books to his credit at this point. And, um, but yeah, I am, uh, somewhere in, in the vein. I'm, I'm hoping to do, I'm hoping to hit 300 in the next, uh, next little while, the next year. Um, and, uh, yeah, even saying that kind of, uh, blows my mind a little. How did you get into, um, I mean, cause I know you also done, have done and probably still do in front of the camera acting and you've done voice acting and all manner of things, uh, with your body and voice for, for art. How did you get into the audiobook narration side of things? You know, I, um, I, I did start out in theater and my dad, when I was younger, my dad, uh, ran a local radio station. So I'd been, I've been around microphones and DJs and things like that for a long time. Um, but I was not ever something particularly on my radar. Um, but I was interested in theater and film and television. And I, I followed that route for a long time. And in the course of that, um, I had a very dear, good friend. Um, I'm originally from New York, so uh, she was living in New York, and she's sort of one of the audiobook pioneers as far as narration goes. And and I think we're talking, it's got to be close to 15 years ago at least now. And she was one of the first people I knew that did audiobook narration. Uh, and when she used to send us uh, a select few of her friends every year, a little audio Christmas card of all of the wild uh, and rambunctious outtakes from very steamy books that she would do. And so that's (laughs) honestly, that is how I found out about audiobook narration. And, um, and I, I heard about this job and I thought this sounds like something I really want to know more about. Um, sure. But I also wasn't going to kind of bang down her door and be like, hey, cool, you're doing this. Tell me how. Because, you know, she was doing her own, pioneering her way through that and creating that work for herself. So it took me some time and a move uh, to California um, many years later where another uh, very good... I have some really... I have to say I have some very generous and wonderful uh, friends, people in... Those the, really help. Anytime you do, do anything a little bit... 
you know, my wife, Andrea, who I've mentioned on the podcast from yeah. time to time, she she's not really into the spotlight quite so much. Uh, but she is just as much the adventurer as I am. But there is no way I could do what I do, like with the surfing and the and 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 being able to quit my job five years ago to do what I do. So like, not to yeah. make it about me, but definitely no. the, people underestimate the value of having solid partners and friends to that believe in this whatever off the beaten path journey you're on. One hundred thousand percent. We touched on that so briefly as we were getting set up. And, you know, I, I will happily scoot back to telling you about my friends and audiobooks. But I I could not I would not be I don't know that I would have found my way or, or what what road I would have taken to get where I am today without the partner that I have um, who not only, you know, there's something about that person who gives you the room to be yourself individually um, as well as, uh, is in for the partnership ride, you know, it's a really, a little bit of that ride or die kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, so I totally agree. And I, I actually, I met Andrea with you the first time we Mm -hmm. met at the Comic-Con panel. So please say hello for me. (laughs) I will gladly do so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you were, you're about your, your move to California, had some friends that kind of helped in that I was a part of a theater company out there and um, and met some really great people uh, through that theater company and another yet another uh, one of these friends who was uh, also deep in, and involved in audiobooks. And one of the companies that he worked for um, was always looking for people. They felt that actors and theater people made great audiobook narrators. And mm-hmm. he, I always say that, uh, uh, I'll throw his name out there, Ramon de Ocampo. I like to call him 42 because he's the answer to everything <laughs> in uh, in uh, in audiobooks. And some people have heard me say that before. But he just, honestly, I think he's responsible for so many of the, uh, some of the LA uh, audiobook narrators for having work and having introduced them to Bob and Deborah Dion. Um, back in the day and and that is how I got my start um and uh it took a a while it took a little time in the making from auditioning to finding the right projects um but the minute I walked in the door with that first one and it came at a time when there were a lot of things changing in my life and I was initiating a lot of things changing in my life um on my way to uh I think I needed to re- create who I was and uh, and what my life was looking like. And audiobooks sort of entered at exactly that moment, and I never looked back. I feel like it was very much a part of uh, the story of this next chapter that is still, you know, or this this book now that's still being written. Sure. Which is so funny. Like I still get a, the biggest chuckle at little uh, synchronicities there. Like, I mean, obviously yeah. the fact that you were recording a book in the same series that I just started. I know. I know. That's so crazy. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. And it doesn't happen very often. Like, you know, he, uh, Gerald Kilby, who writes that, that series, like he does, a, you know, he'll do a few at a time and, uh, and then it might be a year or two before we maybe have more work or not. And so it's, it's been a little while since the last time we did this. So, uh, that is very serendipitous. I, I did notice too, both in our on conversations and other examples of your of your work, and, and I think it's it's pretty neat to. I hear in your voice a, a range of types of of voices you can do, and and um, hmm. you know we mentioned Scott Brick a little bit because that's how we met, yes. but he I think he said and I think uh, Rob 
Paulson, I think, it does voice of Michelangelo. He's the voice voiceover guy. Oh yes. Um, so, but they both said something similar. Where if you get too fixated on the narrator, that it pulls you out of the story, then you're not doing your job. And I think you you kind of walk that balance in terms of the the narration that I've heard, where you have the voice that matches. Obviously, I know you don't get to write the words, um, <laughs> and, and so that that does give, I'm sure, narrators a lot of, of you know, you can make or break the the way somebody's perceived based on what they're reading or, or sure. narrating. Um, but I think that you kind of walk that line, right, where you, you pull somebody into the story that you're helping them to enjoy, um, whether it's with audiobook narration or, you know, we mentioned the audio description work yeah. you've done. Thank it's you. that, but there's that balance, though, right? Where because you still have to, you know, especially if you're doing dialogue in a book you're reading, that changes, you know, like like even within the first couple of chapters of the, um, the Mars Colony book that I'm reading. I mean, you do a Russian accent, you do an American <laughs> accent, you know, so you you kind of play with like, is it hard to keep that stuff straight, like in your head, and 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 kind of not accidentally do the the different voice for a different character things well, like that. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. I um I feel like I am one of those people. There are many different levels of voice actors, and I I don't say any of this to be self-deprecating about myself or what I can do. Um but something that I feel like it's also important to kind of like know where you are, what your strengths mm -hmm. are as compared to other people. So there are many people that I, I, you know, I have a, I have a toolbox, um, but I do not have the same kind of toolbox that, you know, people who are doing 12 different cartoon and anime voices and, um, like there's a level of craftsmanship and mm -hmm. changing your voice that I, I, I give all kudos to, you know, we, we there are many people that can do that. Not kind everybody of stuff can and, be a Jim Dale or something, and really transform exactly. Yeah. And I think that I where I where my strong suit is is I can give you a full flavor. You know, I don't I do mm -hmm. not have the one hundred percent best most flawless accents, um, but I love being able to try. It's to different enough that I could, if I went back and listened to the, the handful of characters I met in this most recent book, I could oh, okay. That's that Good. character. Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I'm very glad to hear that. I mean, we'll see as I go. I yeah, don't know how, yeah. <laughs> how many characters are in the book or what have you. But it, it helps because, you know, for me, like, um, and I mean, I guess this is for anybody listening to audiobook, but especially since that is a primary way in which I engage with literature. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I read Braille. I don't read it nearly fast enough. Uh, to, to it becomes my brain moves faster than I can process the information through mm, my fingers. Sure. So audiobooks are huge, especially if it's more for just personal edification um, and not having to go back and rewind and listen. Oh, wait, who was that talking? Right. Like can, right. Absolutely. That, that helps a lot. It, it allows me to enjoy the book without it becoming a tedious process. And that I, that I, I'm glad to hear that. And I think everybody has a different way of listening too. like, I think some people, you know, I'm lucky that I've gotten great feedback and I also have people that can't stand the sound of my voice. And I, you know, I understand that it's not like there's, it's, <laughs> and, and you have people that you like to listen to. I do too. Yeah. I have, you know, I have, um, a style or a, a kind of voice when I'm looking for audiobooks or things like that, that I, that pull me right in. And then I have others that kind of take me out and doesn't mean that they aren't talented at what they do do i think you know we have to allow for we all have different just like you have your favorite movie might be really different than my favorite movie but it doesn't mean that that each one of them isn't a good film yeah i know? mean there's a difference between good and right uh your particular flavor i mean right right you know like i i i give every credit to uh to john mayer he's an amazing musician <sighs> yeah. he's a, he's a he, you know he's he's 
far more underrated than is is warranted given his talent. It's not my go-to guy to listen to. It sure. doesn't mean there's anything wrong with John right. Mayer. I think he's actually, you know, every uh, amount of success he's had, he's earned. But it's just, it's just not my go-to, and that that does not, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with him. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then, of course, I'll go back and I'll listen to like, you know, uh, old proto punk like the MC5, and everybody just says that's noise. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's you know, exa- that's it. I mean, we all, I think, uh, you know, we have to it's right now too it's just such a tricky time and everything but like you know we have to leave room that's what art does of any kind Mm -hmm. you know and and i think i'm i um i love to get to be a part of the process in this way and you're right i don't write the words um but i love being able to be one step of a, you know one way or one vessel with which the words get put through some people are reading the paper back in their hands some people are listening to it um you know and and it's sort of like an audio adaptation that i get to do and and um you know for me between a listener really enjoying the experience and also the author you know being happy with the work with how they heard it in their in their mind and in their head and obviously there will be you know possibly some differences there because we are not mind readers and you know and we also you know some everything hits in a different way you know just just again like with art you know one sentence might hit me completely differently than it hits another narrator um and so uh you know, we leave room for that interpretation um, in that way and just to be able to be a part of someone's creative process and with our own creative process, it's really just like an, an amazing collaboration in, in a way. Um, yeah. When, uh, it, it seems like a very natural, and, and, and we just had the the episode with Roy Samuelson release, so of course you came up because uh, of your, your audio description work. It seems to me that audio description is a natural extension from audiobook narration. Is it? Did that come through that, or because I know you've also done, uh, at least I think you've done some voiceover animation and and some dramatization as well, of course, over the years. Did it? How? What was the transitional point? Was it from the audiobook work, or was it from something else that got you involved in doing AD? It was through audiobook work. Um, Again, and I think, you know, it's a, sometimes I, I tell these stories and I think, damn, I am like truly a lucky, lucky person. <laughs> and yeah. I also think some of that is to the adventure mind side of things. I'm hoping that some of that is also because of the path I've taken and maybe led me to meeting these people that have then mm-hmm. influenced my career. So I will, I, I give all, uh, you know, thanks to the universe and also, you know, take a little power into steering myself, you know, to the right places. But um, we well, have you also... have to be ready, right? If, you, right, if somebody you have to gives be ready. you an opportunity, you I mean, I, I, yeah. I just had somebody tell me, because yeah, this is a little Hollywood inside stuff. I had somebody say, hey, I, I kind of dig your stuff. Some of you're real. And I'm like, oh, in my head, I'm like, I don't have one. I got to figure what I'm doing now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and there's and and you know, there's there's plenty of times and things that I have not been ready for. Um, but uh, at, you and I have talked about this briefly as well. And mm-hmm. and I am not. I am sadly, and I'm very mad at myself that I have not kept up with my training over the last uh, probably about the last two years. Um, but 
Because you were really dedicated in your boxing training for a while, for, right? I loved it so much. I came to it very late in life, um, which, you know, would be past most people's prime. Um, but, you know, we don't talk like that on the Adventure Mind podcast. Um, but uh, I, it was very late in life. I was never really a very athletic person um, but I think that it was also because I didn't find the thing that was right for me until mm-hmm. I found it. And uh, um, I went and I also had an amazing coach and teacher, trainer who, you know, actually who ended up being my life partner. Um, and so there again, all of these things opened up all at they the all same time. They all just converged, time. yeah. They, uh, li- literally in the same moment of my life, it all happened together. Huh. Um, and so... Um, I was very much in need of some inner strength. And I think what drew me to boxing was, um, you know, getting to that through finding out I had some outer strength I never knew I had as well. And uh, I just absolutely loved it. It did so much to help me change my life. Um, I It was great because I could finally, uh, you know, my, my poor and wonderful dad who you know, tried so hard to get me to play sports <laughs> when I was a kid. And he coached our all-girls Catholic school softball team, which, oh, dear God, none of us wanted to be on that field. Um, you know, we, we were just all, maybe there was one girl who actually was athletic and trying to play the game, but boy, she couldn't get anywhere with us on the on the team. Um, you know, and he tried to get me involved in so many sports and, and coached us and all this. And I just was not, it was not the right thing for me at that time. And, uh, you know, cut to, you know, what a lot of people call a midlife crisis, but for me was definitely an awakening. Uh, Here I am turning 40 and like kicking bags and knocking things down and, you know, training real hard, training like an athlete for the first time in my life and seeing those kinds of results. And I'd be like, dad, I did this today. You know, like finally getting to identify with my, you know, (laughs) call my dad, like, you know, it took us 40 years, dad, but we're here. I can call you about, you know, sports and, and talk with you about some of this stuff. So, um, Oh man, and I totally. Oh, I was oh. like, wait, how did I even get you? I'm a chatty Italian girl, and yeah, uh, I will. That, that's I will all right. Go like, if, many if you've listened to this podcast, <laughs> you you said you've been listening for a little bit, so you, yeah, you hear yeah. how meandering <laughs> we can get on here. So that's that. We're we're okay with that. I do think it's really interesting that um, maybe the you're talking about he just never found something right with, with until you you discovered boxing and yeah. kind of fight training and stuff. Yeah. And I, I was talking with. Man, I, I got to watch out for Clubhouse. I'm getting so addicted to that dang thing. I um, haven't started yet because I'm, yeah, I'm, be, I'm a yeah. technophobe as it is a little bit. Yeah. And I have, you know, I have questions and issues. But yeah, yeah okay. But um, I can see, I feel like but, I'm missing but, some so, good discussions. So it's, but we're talking, uh, and it's just come up a little bit, where, you know, people don't find that thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I was not a really athletic guy. I mean, I was interested in like, all the adventure, like skateboarding and riding my bike and stuff, but you know, I was kind of held back from that. I was never particularly attracted to regular sports like football or or, or basketball. I was kind of interested in basketball, I guess, for a little while. But the the, the what we really came down to is that if you're going to do anything physical, any kind of fitness oriented, you fi- have to let it the nucleus of your physical activity mm. be around something you absolutely love. Absolutely. So like. You know, for me, I've I've found surfing and martial arts and those things. And now there are things that I do for my fitness that I hate. Like sure. I don't like, <laughs> I, I don't I I don't like, uh, uh, you know, Imam thirty seconds on, thirty seconds off, like calisthenic drills. Like that's not fun. 
Right. <laughs> but it, but it allows me to train better. It to does. Do I mean, that's your conditioning it allows me right to do there, better right? <laughs> surfing. I mean, like I had you know hernia surgery back in October, and if yeah. I wouldn't have been aggressive, very intentional about the the exercise that I've done, I'm just I wasn't going to get there as fat you know, and i would just drive right. myself crazy and so there is something to that but if i didn't have surfing and i didn't have martial arts and things i just i wouldn't i'd probably stick with it for i'd go and i'd hit the elliptical kind of and, and that'd be about it and i probably wouldn't be like the most unfit person on the planet but it's possible because if you don't find something that you're excited to go do and it's drudgery every single time you're not going to want to do anything physical at all Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And, and I think it feeds like you're saying, you know, like, I think when you find that thing that really turns you on doing the things that don't please you as much, it, it, it almost feeds into it. Like you said, you, you do this. You do because, them because they're going to make the thing that you like yeah. doing. I live with you're, a you're strength and conditioning to do coach, more. so yeah. I totally Okay, you know exactly. That. Yeah, I'm sure preaching to the choir on this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I absolutely understand that. And, uh, and I'm, um, you know, I wonder if, you know, having had that experience later in life, I, I often wonder, like, if, you know, karate was just not the thing when I was a kid. I mean, I think it was right. for other kids, but in our family, in our households, um, th- that was not on our radar. I wonder, sometimes I like to look back and think, well, if they had put me in a karate class, would that have clicked then? Would that have been the thing from the beginning? Or mm-hmm. did I just, you know, was it really just all... I had been looking for a boxing gym for probably a year or two before I finally found a class and a place and, you know, this whole thing that opened up for me. And, and What honestly, about punching people in the face was particularly attractive to you? Oh, it's my yoga. <laughs> That's what I like to tell. <laughs> but I mean, like, wh- I but why, my... why boxing and not no. say like jujitsu or something? Or... You know, it was the. That's a great question, and I'm not sure. I I would like to do more jujitsu now. I I think kind of coming through all all of everything I I have done and experienced. I see the value, um, especially for women with jujitsu. Can't say it, but I'd like to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, boxing is just where I think I feel my best or where I can do the kind. And I mean, look. There's something very immediate about striking, though. Absolutely an amateur. And maybe I could see that being part of it. Yes, for sure, 100%. Um, I am not a very patient person. Um, and uh, I think that I really, it's such an outlet. Like, it's an outlet mm-hmm. in a different way than rolling is, I think. Um, you know, that it is that immediate release. You punch, there's the sound of the glove on the bag or the glove on the yeah. mitt, um, or even working drills with a partner. Um and there is a real immediate release of stress and tension. There's an immediate. Um, you get an instant response. Yes. You know, like like you get something to let you know. Because I, I did, I've done a few different martial arts, and I, I judo was probably the one that was the hardest for me mm. because it was, it took the longest to notice in the improvement in my ability. Right. When it comes right. to. And even sometimes, if you know if you're really doing it right, because you have, you know you, maybe you're doing rounds with somebody who's way more experienced, sure. and the, and <laughs> you can't off balance them for anything. But I feel like with striking, you know, whether it's 
whether it's boxing or, you know, I've done strictly boxing training, but like in the kickboxing stuff that sure. I've done, there's, there's a lot of overlap. But the any kind of, it, you know when you've hit the pad properly. You oh, know yeah, when you've, exactly. When you've gotten that, when you, and you know when you, maybe you haven't quite hit the, like if you're just doing kick drills, right? Like I'm not even talking sparring or anything right but like if you if you're doing tie kicks you're just kind of stepping out and you're whipping those those hips in there's something very satisfying about that thwack yes there is uh, and know, i, and I so, started with kickboxing as well that's okay. how that's how i that's how we started it was it, at the time um martin who is my my partner in life um he was training uh mixed martial arts and strength and conditioning for fighters around the California, the LA area. Yeah, um, a lot of fighters down in, in oh, yeah. LA, down to San Diego, yeah. for sure. And uh, and so you know, and he was also just you know teaching classes for us regular folk, and uh, and that's uh, so we started. We were boxing, kickboxing, strength and conditioning Fridays every Friday. You know, so we got the full on. He he coached and taught us the way he would coach and and teach fighters. That's really cool. So you um, weren't getting a watered down version. Let's let's make it safe for the people who are coming in. Yeah, no, you know I mean? he uh, did not. But then that, but that's I think honestly that is the also the thing that drew us all in. We had there was when I first started there was a group of it, it ended up being it wasn't specifically for women, but it ended up being like this group of five or six of us women of all all ages. There were a few younger than me. There were a few mm-hmm. older than me, um, and. Boy, did we need that. We were all, I think, at some place in our life where we needed to understand we were stronger than we thought. And not only did the training and the way Martin coached us and taught us and and showed us, you know, he, he would teach us by showing us what we could do. And I think not only that, but we all resonated with one another, knowing we were each somehow we didn't even necessarily know each other's personal stories some of us did some of us didn't but but boy did we need to recognize that in ourselves and in one another in that room and and uh i still think about that i miss those women i miss that class and that time um very much and uh sometimes it's hard to recreate those things not that you should ever be looking back but trying to figure out how to now take that into this next level of where i'm at and i think that's been a little part of my my um honestly not being as motivated because there's mm, a part of you me don't have that, the same train you, you kind of miss your training family a little i bit. do i do yeah. i do miss miss that a little bit um We've been lucky enough to move uh, somewhere where there's room in the house to have a workout space. And I have this stand-up bag that has traveled the country with me. <laughs> we were like, it's, man, it's just too damn heavy. We should we should leave it behind. And I'm like, no, it's got to come. It's got to come with. Yeah. And I'm so glad it did. So uh, it's that's, sitting there waiting. Cool. I think, Joshua, that between you and uh, and Martin sitting upstairs, this might might actually be the conversation I need. This might be my well, there uh, you go. who's going to carry the boat, you know. <laughs> This might be my, uh, so yeah. Um, and, you know, and the th- here's the really cool thing, honestly, when it comes to um, training and, and martial arts and anything like that, you know, boxing or otherwise. And I absolutely consider boxing a martial art. I don't know why it's in this separate category. It's so right. Weird, but, um, but I think. I just lost my thought. We'll come back to it. This is this is a rare thing. This doesn't happen <laughs> no, to me too it. often. I'm not the only one. That's no, all right. No, you're not the only one. I, I think though that um, I, I, oh, this actually is what I was going to say. Cool. Uh, so I think that you were talking about coming to it later in life, 
Yeah. And in an ideal world, would we train every day or train consistently? Um, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, this is the other thing. You know, I've, I've talked about on the podcast and on social media that I've had some issues with mental health things. And, and I think that whether it's a motivation for training, whether it's, uh, you know, maybe personal mental health struggles or de- you know, mm-hmm. depression and whatnot, I think the trick is to get back up, right? Like oh, there's yeah. a, there's old kung fu saying that my my friend who gave me the the Joshua the Jedi nickname uh, Harinder Singh gave me uh, this this phrase and I know he didn't originate it but it, I like it a lot you know it's the whole fall down seven times get back up eight yeah right so you know maybe you haven't trained for a while well then when should you get back to it well when you get back to it and hopefully it's now but you know whenever it is you get to it then it's now. And there is, you're, you're right. And, and there is a little bit of that. And I think that's why I've been trying to just let myself feel through it. Um, Mm -hmm. My brain and my body are in various states of like begging me for it, but it's like one is ready and then the other one isn't. And I, I feel like I'm, there's something that I'm not quite in alignment with yet about the whole thing. And so I agree with you that I'm let, I'm trying to let myself figure that out. Um, Maybe and just I know do that a little bit okay. too, right? Yeah. So oh, the other yeah. thing, the other thing I, I, I did this for, for a long time and, and, you know, maybe, you know, somebody else listening, they'll benefit from this too, right? Where, it's like okay, I got to go do ten rounds. Mm-hmm. Oh, how about you just, just like, hit the back for like a minute? Yeah. Or like, or for yeah. me, like maybe I don't feel like training. I can do a couple of kick drills or whatever. Or, you know, I don't really feel like doing much of anything. But you know, I can, I can work on some of those butterfly knife openings and stuff or whatever mm. it is. Like, just doing some something. Thing. You know, it goes back to that whole thing of, um, find you know your your fitness or adventure thing you have that be the nucleus and you build out from there sometimes you know um like david goggins who's somebody i i I admire a lot uh i think he said a couple times you know fuck motivation right because you just got to do it and i and i i get it i i'm not quite as hardcore as david goggins is. right same here (laughs) i would respect the hell out of him that was my who's going to carry the boat reference but yeah yeah, yeah, exactly totally so but i mean but just don't worry about whether it's perfect you're not committing to your entire lifestyle you're committing to doing this thing right now yeah that's absolutely true and i and i agree with you and uh um i feel like uh that's exactly yeah you're absolutely right <laughs> you're absolutely right um i i'm fascinated i i i'm people are like i'm sure there's at least a couple of people when are you going to talk about it um <laughs> i i do have to ask so you you said you got into audio description through through the audiobook narration thing it and was and the, the reason i'm gonna i'm gonna derail us back two seconds sure. because the reason okay. i ended up yeah, bringing yeah. up the whole boxing because you asked yes, that thank question. you thank you no that's okay it took me a minute to remember how we got there but um we were in a boxing gym. We were training, taking a class, met a couple of other people at the gym. And one of those people, um, uh, a really amazing person and has turned into a great friend, uh, he and Martin were talking one night. I had gone home, finished the class, and like, oh, you know, well, what does Nicole do? And I was like, oh, she narrates audiobooks. And he's like, wow. He's like, do you think she'd be interested in doing audio description? And this was someone who worked at... Um, one of the companies that I now do a lot of work for, who thought exactly that, that narr- that audiobook narration um, would be a, a good way. It's or a, a good... It is a, 
they're related enough that the transition makes sense. Yeah. And uh, and Martin came home that night and he's like, hey, do you know about audio description? And I, I honestly did not, as I know you know that, you know, right now and thanks to people like Roy and um, there's a really incredible woman named Ms. Michelle Spitz who does a ton of work and a yep. ton, of, ton of philanthropy in our, in the audio description world. Um who, uh, you know, are really trying to, you know, we're, we're in this place and time now where it is having its day, I think. People are finally more and more understanding what well, To the point that they're referencing b- both the, the program that we have yet to mention <laughs> yes. and also uh, WandaVision. Like a couple of the, the you know, fan casts, like new rock stars and things were yeah. referencing and news articles were talking about how little things you might have missed in the episode – and the reason they were able to figure out the, the mm. th- like the little Easter egg with Evan Peters play, re- reprising a version of his role from the X Men movies in Wandavision was yeah. because of the way that the audio description script read. And it's like yeah, the- absolutely, absolutely. I'm so curious to mm-hmm. to know from you like what are your what are your thoughts and feelings on all of that because it's almost like audio description went from nobody knew what it was and and what it was you know intended to be used for to now people everywhere sort of using it as a almost just an extra additional enjoyment or like you said getting to know certain things like even you know people within the sighted community are using it because they can mm-hmm. walk through different rooms or keep it on or because they're getting these Easter eggs. Like, what is your feeling? Uh, like, is there any, any, I mean, I don't, is there any resentment there? Like, hey, you know, like, or. or so, so, so to put it very bluntly, no, I don't think it's cultural appropriation from the blind and visually impaired communities. <laughs> I, I made it, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all about respecting where things come from. Absolutely, um, and, of and, and as far as that, I think that I, I I made a flippant joke one time about audio description, uh, and and not audio about audio description and audio books. And again, if anybody has any issues with the following statement, this is my opinion, not Nicole's. Um, <laughs> but when we were talking, you know, there was a controversy of these these two um, women uh, that you know I think they present as white. They tra- they spent like twenty five thirty thousand dollars traveling all throughout Mexico to learn as much about Mexican cuisine as they possibly could, um, and they opened up a uh, like a taco truck, mm. and people started protesting them as culturally appropriating Mexican food cuisine, and they they fell in love with Mexican food cuisine, and they made some banging tacos and some banging burritos, and. And really had nothing but reverence for the, for Mexican cuisine, but because they weren't Mexican, they weren't uh, of any kind of Latin extraction. Mm. They were basically really heavily pressured into shutting down their taco truck. Mm. And I I'd put out a flippant tweet where I was like, well, okay, well, should I be mad at sighted people when they listen to audiobooks? I mean, like, right, it, it's, right. And I understand it's not a clean parallel. I get that. Like, I, right. It, but at the same time, Going back to your question, I think that what's important, the only thing I I think that I would be resentful of if this was the case, and so far I haven't seen this, which makes me really happy, um, where people didn't give credit where it came from. 
right? Sure, sure. So I think exactly. that so far all of the press that I've seen about audio description and people using it for other things is my. I have a kind of a very much a uh, rising tide, you know, uh, whatever. The, the whole idea is rising tide raises all ships, right? So yeah, yeah. I, I've never been one who says, "Oh, there are too many podcasts," or "There are too many comedians." I mean, I've been in in circles where people say, "I don't think you know, uh, people shouldn't try comedy." Like where they're where they're almost like. I get it because <laughs> comedy is one of those things where, and I've only been doing it for a few years, but comedy is definitely one of those things where you have to want it. You don't want it. And there's a lot of hacks and people come in who aren't funny, who who get their family to laugh at them that aren't, you know, I get that. <laughs> but at the same time, I think, you know, the people that are good are going to rise to the top or they're going to, or if they're not going to rise to the top, they're going to find their audience. Right. And so, right. you know, I'm not mad um, when it comes back, narrowing it back into audio description. I think it's great. The more pe- people that use it, I think so long as it doesn't become a thing where audio description becomes unusable right, to the absolutely. people who... So like if right. audio description becomes something I can't use anymore because it's deviated so drastically from its original core group of people it was designed to help, that would bother me. But aside from that, you know, my wife can see perfectly and she loves audio description, not just because she's used to it because, uh, you know, I like to watch stuff that way but for the very same reason she has she gets to enjoy like oh like if she forgets the the person's name i mean it's the same reason she actually likes to watch with the closed captioning on and i and yes right you know obviously i know and you know that closed captioning and audio description are the same thing but i think as long as it it helps the people that it was really intended to help and doesn't lose sight of kind of its initial mission or for for lack of a way to describe it i'm perfectly content you know if somebody wants to wash dishes and catch up on you know seasons of doctor who which is not described yet uh again yeah. of the licensing <laughs> thing <laughs> but oh. but it, it but I, I think it helps right it really yeah. and it and allows me to have different types of conversations with people that i could not have even the fact that they know that it exists like That's five really years ago cool. you know even before yeah. like daredevil was the first really flagship thing that were i think it shifted in 2015 when it was released before that people didn't they kind of knew maybe but now more people know about it and then i don't seem like such a weirdo if i ask about it either yeah yeah no that's great i'm 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 happy to hear that and i'm happy i am happy that you know it's it's one of those things that you know, I feel like what I love the most is the conversation about quality of it as well. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's really important, like you said, as, and as long as it doesn't become something then that is unusual, unusable for its, you know, for the original intended audience and service that it should be, um, then I think it's kind of neat that we're talking about and get to have these conversations. And I'm certainly so very grateful that, you know, that's something that's come into my life in the way that it has. Um so, I, I, and it brought I, again, us together. <laughs> it did. It did. Actually, it's funny. And I, I'm sure I had heard something you had narrated here and there at some point. But um, so, yeah, you and I first met, I think, in 2017. I want to say. I believe that's correct. Maybe somewhere, somewhere in there, and then 2018. Uh, somewhere in there, I know yeah. that that since 2016, Scott uh, Brick and I had been doing uh, panels at Comic Con. We didn't actually do this one last last year. I'm I'm trying to. Yeah. Uh, see if we can coordinate, do something for at home this year. Um, so, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what's happening with that. Um, but, uh, and it's one of the things that really struck me is just kind of how genuinely interested you were in telling story. And yeah. I think that that's, 
honestly, it really gets back down to that, whether it's audiobooks, whether it's um, adaptations of comics, which we absolutely talked about during the panel. Yeah. We've done some things connected to like kind of anime kind of vein of fiction and things like that. Like, I think that it's really about, can you tell the story? Can somebody engage with what has made people so excited to, to kind of get themselves lost in these worlds or, you know, I mean, you've, you've obviously read nonfiction as well. You have mm-hmm. to, it's like, how can I, you know, okay. Uh, the, the problems and benefits of capitalism, that's, that, <laughs> that sounds super dry, but if you have the right packaging, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. do you ever, uh, without actually being really, gosh, I, I I'm, <laughs> you ple- you're probably not going to be able to answer that directly, but has there been a a book that or project that you've read for where you're like, oh man, I can't wait to be done with this thing because this I, I have a hard time staying awake while reading this material. <laughs> um, you know, I've been pretty lucky, I think, in that way with the. And I, I know it's kind of a loaded question. I don't no, want to get okay. you fired I mean, from it. Yeah, I'm not opposed to being completely honest. Um, right. And in fact, I'll, I'll steer it in a different direction in a minute. But I've been pretty lucky. The nonfiction books that I have gotten to do, I, I, mean, I did it one a while back that was about like the microbiome of your gut and how it affects your brain. And I thought, God, I'm not sure how I'm going to make this work. But it was the most fascinating freaking thing I ever That's cool. read. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, and, you know, all the way up through there was a book. I mean, it's about a year and a half ago now about um, the age of surveillance capitalism. And that well, that's, was, that's what I was referencing yeah, there a little but bit. But I yeah. got to say, man that it was a very long book she's an incredible scholar and i highly recommend um shoshana zuboff is her name i highly recommend looking up some of her talks um her lectures they're sort of more condensed versions of a very long book if you don't want to make it all the way through the book because it it does repeat a lot of things but man oh man is that worth uh understanding what she's talking about in there truly um and so so i'm i i I like to learn. I've always liked to learn. And mm-hmm. this allows me to do that in a way that is right. not getting paid to learn. So like exactly. <laughs> I and mean, it's not so academic. It's, you know, I get to right. do the, the thing that I love and learn while I'm doing it. And so, you know, in that sense, I've been really lucky with that kind of stuff. Where I have had problems is sometimes you get a book that you know, not necessarily nonfiction, but even fiction that's maybe not been the most well-written or very poorly edited sometimes, or, you know, is, uh, you know, just a relationship between characters in a book that you're like, oh my God, would you shut up already? Or you get wrapped in the story story yourself and you're kind of like trying to keep it together while you're reading. So you're not like jerking tears while you're trying to read the absolutely absolutely um so yeah there's definitely some that are harder than others to get through some that you're really and even ones that you love that you are dying to do that when you get it what i find so interesting in that process is you know you, we sit and we prepare the book ahead of time and you know you're looking through it you got to know what to expect who your characters are what they're supposed to sound like those kinds of things and so you know there'll be some books that i will sit there and do my prep and the prep is a breeze and i read through mm. it and it feels like it reads easy and uh it took me no time at all and i was like oh man great can't wait to get in the booth and i will get in the booth and 
I cannot get the words out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on here? It was so easy to prep, but then it reads so drastically differently. And I, every once in a while, I get that. I have that experience. And sometimes it's the other way around. I'll have a really hard time, really long, excruciating prep process. But then I get in to narrate it thinking it's going to be such a slog. And I'm like, oh, man, okay, cool. This rolls off the tongue. Like, you know, and, and I probably... There, I think there are some narrators that will kind of know that or understand that a little better beforehand, or I know some narrators will prep by reading aloud, and there are certain books where I have to take a little chunk and do that for myself as well, but also, you know, we're talking hundreds of pages, and there's not a lot of time in the schedule to, you know, this is not the three-week rehearsal period before a play. It's, you're lucky it's if you've got... It's go time right now. A few days, yeah. you know, maybe a week is a luxury, and some people don't even get that much to, you know, prep and then get in the booth and make sure you're covering as much of, you know, these things as you can. And so, um, and I also enjoy the organic process of finding out how the book is going, wants to speak through me as well. And so there's a part of that I like to leave for those moments. But so it's, it's, but I'm always fascinated by that, especially when there's such a disparity between how something reads when I'm prepping it and then how it wants to come out of my mouth or not <laughs> in sure. the booth. Yeah. For sure. Um, and, and that does bring up, I was trying to figure out how we were going to get there. I'm, I'm going to go straight in. Yeah, um, go f- do it. Dig in. <laughs> so, and, and and this is the curious thing. So, uh, spoiler ahead, uh, I'll try to be as mm. vague as I possibly can, because I don't want to ruin this for anybody. No, um, we won't. We'll be, I don't think we should, uh, but I think we can talk uh, around it. Yeah, I think we, I think we can too. So, um, if you want to understand the full context, catch up on The Mandalorian Season 2, um, and then you'll you'll have a better grasp. So there's a really pivotal scene at the end of season two. And, and this, oh. by the way, I, I, I say, by the way, that you, you're, I know you didn't write the words. It was Justin. Um, Justin soul. Amazing so, writer, uh, part of an amazing team of writers at deluxe. Yeah. 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 For, so for the Mandalorian, the start, one of the most amazing, uh, honestly, some of the best star Wars since the original trilogy, I think. Totally agree. Um, <laughs> there is a very pivotal scene. Uh, which and, and I, I talked about this with Roy. I've talked about this with people, mm. and because I, I do think your voice is is very solidly matched for this content. Thank you. And I, along with many Star Wars fans, um, and that last scene, as as the one character is coming through, and you're like, "Is this is this is this who I think it is?" I and. I mean, for context, I was way before I was ever given my nickname. I, my, I was in diapers, and my dad took me to see Empire. Mm-hmm. Like I was less than a year out. I was I was born in eighty, wow. and then you know I I don't know of a world without Star Wars. Yeah, and then so when that final section of you know before the post credit scene, in that final section, um, I, I I was actually brought to tears, mm-hmm. like legitimately. And what was so cool is. The timing of the actual dialogue and the sound and the score and the way in which they mixed in your read of the audio description and everything else, mm. I, I had on par the like it was the same experience that my wife had who was watching it with me, mm. and I didn't I didn't have to ask her to describe anything. There wasn't this kind of delayed reaction, and what was so cool is I went back and I I listened to. Um, you know, you know, I, I'm 
big nerd. So of course I want to go back and catch things. And I was listening back to like Star Wars Theory and some of the other people that had really responded quite emotionally to that pivotal scene. So, so first off, thank you for being a part of that. It was one of the most oh, moving experiences goodness. I've had with this with Star Wars content. Was that so? So, two questions, I guess. Was that part hard for you to read? And did you know the character that you were reading descriptions about going in, or did you just read the script and you found out who that person was after the fact? Does oh, it? Man, are you able to answer that? Such a low. You know, it's loaded in a lot of ways. One because. Um, because, you know, we don't, we won't spoil anything. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, there is a magic to this kind of stuff and to the storytelling. And I want to break down some of the behind the scenes and then I don't want to break down some of it because. Okay. But keep it as much a mystery as as you feel like you should. I will. What I will tell you is, um, there Let's see. I'm trying to figure out how to start and how to. Yeah. <laughs> I so. It's okay. So I don't. I, I, I want you. I want you to get renewed when they do season three. So I don't. I don't want. <laughs> no, I don't I, want to get I, you get I you feel, axed from your relationship with uh, with all this. You know, I feel safe and uh, and uh, I'm not. My hesitation is is not for those reasons. Okay. But okay. Um, I will start by saying that uh, so we had to. We recorded certain pieces of that particular episode's description uh more than once a number of times um there was a great deal of protection around mm-hmm. the information that even right. we were not allowed this is why to we're have. being when you guys watch this for real you'll understand why we're being so like you know everybody unspecific. at this point everybody's sort of hip to the like the nda yeah. you know non-disclosures yeah. all this stuff yeah. and and rightly so and appropriately and understandably um no criticism or critique about any of that um it was very protected information so much so that that technically i was not allowed to have it uh even though i was supposed to describe the rest of the episode well and i guess out of context you could even still it's not abundantly clear you kind of have to get it when all the pieces are brought together true and um, specifically the way in in which the character was described the specific verbiage and and there was you know and also you know i'm not the i don't necessarily receive the same thing that the writer might receive right. in order to write the, you know, right. so, you so just there's, have to be able there's to a couple it. of, there's right. various different steps and, and every project is a little bit different. And there's still some pieces of this process that I'm learning about because it, it, you know, and especially with something quite like this, like obviously this was for me, one of the biggest things I've ever been a part of it, sure. just in the, 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 um, the recognition that, um, the show itself got and the recognition of the audio description and the fact that, you know, I, I, I I am honestly just like, I take the Scott Brick school of thought on this because, you know, (laughs) it's like, I am like the luckiest damn person in the room that, that they, you know, they thought I would be a good fit for this, but truly, you know, the, the work, I, I don't say this to negate what, emotion or feeling or sensitivity I can bring to certain things, but mm-hmm. Justin soul. And, um, honestly, the, the, 
the company, the the team of writers at Deluxe, all of sure. them, and all of the different projects that they do, and I'm not plugging for the sake of plugging because they may or may not ever hire me again, but I have to say in the, the experience that I've had, they are some of the truly most caring, detail-oriented um just most talented writers that I have yet to work with. Um, and Justin truly is the reason you all love the audio description so much. And I need to say that because there is, I don't do a good job without him. Um, so sure. I got to give him that, those props. And, um, um, but so, so I got the episode to do my part of the work, even though there were going to be some things left out, blanked out, um, you know, scenes even deleted that I would not see. So I didn't actually get the visuals even right. to make wow. my own um, conclusions as to what might be happening. Um, but the other parts, like the sort of the opposite side of that, you know, the, the, the other point of view of that scene, I did get. And I will tell you 100%, I sat there and cried and had to re-record it because you, I couldn't, cry during the audio description but i had <laughs> right, to get it you out need once to have a clean take right and you know so i i had i had that same reaction that i would have had sitting on the couch next to you and andrea <laughs> you know seeing it for the first time and yeah. i absolutely 100 percent did it was just some of, and i live for that like i i am not your most intelligent person in the world and where i get my, i think you got some sharpness there i, I, I think you're selling yourself that. a little I am short a ball of i am I am all heart like that. I will cop to a hundred percent. Like any intelligence I have comes through my emotion and my heart. So like you give me something like that to, that hits me. Oh, yeah. you've got me like you've got me. Um, so yes, it completely affected me, even though I wasn't fully, you know, I mean, I certainly had my, my own idea of what was happening and, and you get a right. sense of what's going on in that moment with all the other characters that are there and um and so it totally hit me it just got me right in the heart and and i even yeah. i mean i went i i my booth is in the basement of uh the place where we live and i went upstairs and i was just like and martin i think it was a day that he was home um and you and, couldn't tell him what <laughs> well no i couldn't tell him but i was just like wow Wow. Like I was all, I just like, I had to process. Yeah. I had to process it myself because I had so many feels and, and I did go back before, you know, going up and doing that. I, I went through, I calmed myself down, you know, and I, I delivered what I wanted to deliver, which I felt was hopefully an audio description where you felt the emotion of the scene, but that I wasn't trying to tell you how to feel either, you know? hundred percent. And actually it, it's funny because uh, and I think this is, you know, mutual admiration society here, I guess. But <laughs> but truly, like, I think one of the reasons why your voice fits so well um, throughout, the, you know, not just that episode, although it's a really, really uh, clean example, is you walk that line really well of enough emotion so that it's not in conflict with what's actually happening. You know, one of the things that, that, that Roy and I sp spoke about, and this goes back to the quality of things. This is why I, I, I'm i sure there's a place for synthetic uh, mm. speech for audio description. I'm not a fan. Put <laughs> Me that neither. Very, but, but, very, <laughs> Clearly well, for obvious reasons. <laughs> right, right. But even still, like, sure. I, I think that you do that good line of you have an appropriate level of emotion for the type of scene you're describing. I think And obviously you, you don't have to, you know, and 
I'm sure, you know, it's funny too, like people hate on Hayden Christensen for his dialogue in Star Wars 2. It's not his fault. I I, I love George Lucas to the the moon and back, the moon of Endor and back. Uh, I, I, I think his concept for big arcs and and character development and all of that's amazing mm. he's he's got something to be desired when it comes to writing dialogue <laughs> so, <laughs> so but my but that goes back to the point right with with justin soul and Absolutely. with with um you, you know you get a lot of credit for for how well you did and, and there's talent there for sure um and i actually think hayden christensen's probably a better actor than most people give him credit for and the reason he gets some of the hate is because of what he was working with. I mean, unfortunately, it's just the way it goes. You get kind of, it, it's a matter of all the different pieces working together. Absolutely. And it always, it always is. And uh, this truly was just like, it was um, a crossroads of everything coming together in such a beautiful way um, that I feel like, you know, we had so, we, you know, as a narrator to get, work like that and to get writing like not just you know and where i'm trickling it down i mean talk about a the mandalorian itself and everything they did with the series and um you know just this um just this this hero's journey that you get to witness through two seasons which i just i love that mythology anyway and so to be a part of a something like that for the Star Wars, you know, family number one, but then to trickle that down. And obviously I know in the, you know, in the few messages back and forth, you know, even because I had to write Justin be like, dude, (laughs) like, (laughs) this is like, thank you. Like you, you know, this is amazing. Like your level of care and the work that you put into this is so obvious here you know and and um and you deserve so much credit for that like i was like george would be proud george would be so proud um of of that and i hope i honestly hope that the people that you know i hope george and i hope john favreau and i like i honestly i hope they will listen to i hope they listen with audio description and kind of understand it it made me wonder like i wonder if they'll you know if they will take a listen to the work that went into this and the care because it's the same level that they all took in making what they did. I think um, that really is the the thing. And, and, and Roy mentioned this and, and obviously I, there's a couple other things I want to make sure I get a chance to ask you before we close yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing that really uh, I think was really neat about it is that not only was Justin soul a, a really good writer for audio description as far as just competency but he also knew the material. Oh yes, absolutely. And, and I think that with something as deeply, like just permeated throughout our entire culture, you know, Star Wars has permeated our culture as much as the Force has permeated the universe in, in yes. a lot of respects, right? So there's absolutely. this. Absolutely. So if you're gonna write something on that scale, um, you need to be intimately familiar with it, and he he didn't have to. I get the impression from everything I've heard and, and that Justin didn't have to do work beyond whatever information he had about the series. Like he already understood the backdrop of, of the star Wars mythos on a, a different level than say, you know, it's just a hired gun might. Definitely. I, I truly believe that. And I agree with you a hundred percent. And, you know, um, 
I know, I'm sure, I have not had a chance to listen to, the, I was trying to get to it today because I wanted to like, I wanted to hear what Roy had to say and I wanted to hear yeah. what you guys talked about. Um, and you may have, I'm sure, talked about this, but they do, um, he's part of the ADNA and the Know Your Narrator yeah, we, series. we absolutely made the made mention of the ADNA on Which, there. part of what I love so much is beyond, what they do beyond the narrators, because where I've learned so much and where I have really enjoyed the episodes of, of those interviews is talking with people like Justin and and the writers and the the heads of AD departments for all of the companies that are producing AD and really hearing cuz some of them some of them you can hear the through line all the way through of how they do what they do why they do what they do and and what is expected and then you also hear everybody's different approach to certain things like you know there's some people where the the music and not talking over lyrics and music that's mm-hmm. incorporated into film is very important and others where they feel like that is very important but also if there's some Something important that you need to know going on under there. We need to have that too. And 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 I've learned so much listening through some of, of those interviews about the the you know the people that are um, creating the work that I do because I that's how I've been learning a little more about um, the industry itself. And um, Anna Capazera, who is um, she uh, runs the the writers at Deluxe, and I believe it was gotcha. her that talked about. Um, in her interview, that that's you know that's a big part of what they do is they pair their writers with people who are familiar, right? With so like the for instance, the person who would write, say for example, because I know Deluxe did um, uh, some of the more recent Marvel movies, right? Right. So like, yeah. So like yeah. you have to you know having somebody who can't stand comic book superheroes. Probably not the best fit. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. And there's and they have an amazing on staff uh, writer there, Christine. Uh, Christina. Um, yeah, actually, I think she was on. I don't know if she was on the year that. Yeah. Uh, was she on? Is that same uh, year that you were on the panel? It was as well? the following year, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So Christina talked, came out. Was she yeah. was on there at one? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so her being as familiar as she is with that Marvel universe and having the you know the background and the understanding and the you know the enjoyment of it, like when those things come up, that's usually going to be something that she gets to describe because she has that encyclopedia of knowledge. And she knows, like, has a, a sense too, where little reveal about you know, the way in which, you know, like say Peter's having a hard time shooting his webs or something. Right. I say right. Peter, like me and Parker go way back. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, so I, I will say this and you, you can feel free to be as silent as you want to be because I, I don't want to, I want you to get this contract rather than anything else. <laughs> if, if, and when they do uh, Mandalorian novels, they absolutely need to hire you for the audiobook. <laughs> because I, it would be a nice from little your mouth over- to their ears my friend so if, if anybody's <laughs> listening specifically if, if you if you guys get anybody else to do that narration it's not going to be the same so if you, you you're, you'll be able to pull in a certain there's going to be a certain level of continuity if that's a thing that can happen i would absolutely love to hear you narrate the audiobooks for the mandalorian uh oh. kind of era of things i truly thank you for saying that and putting it out into the ether and i would be absolutely thrilled to get to if that was something i'm surprised that ever yeah <laughs> and, and, maybe, and maybe maybe somebody has you just can't say anything but absolutely uh it would be a, a nice overlap for sure um right on <laughs> you did uh you did put up a a, a cool video like an ethan hawk thing about creativity yeah. and I, I i wanted to touch on this too because i we're I'm sure you're running out of, of time that you have. I want to make sure, though, because I thought it was so... Um, unfortunately, I don't actually even remember the full clip really anymore, but I remember just the, the general... 
it resonated so deeply with me the general vibe of it because you know like I've, I've, I can't remember if I said this on the recording or before we were getting started you know this this podcast and and hopefully the movement that I, I genuinely want to build around it sure that's good marketing and all that but I believe too that intentionally doing difficult and scary things mm-hmm. right because um, that develops our own adversity gives us stories of our own to tell and then magnifying the power of story. And so that that creativity component, that living life authentically component, I thought that was, that that honestly, that more than, yes, I, when I found out that you did The Mandalorian, I was doing the podcast, I was like, all right, definitely got to have Ron with that, about that. But I also, there was the element of, you see the value of doing that, that stuff and living creatively and authentically. Um, can you, do you remember the clip more clearly than I do or I I or just do the attitude and um I just pulled it up so for anybody that's listening um I guess Ethan Hawk you can find it on YouTube he did a TED talk um I think it was sometime just last year in this last in 2020 um and it's maybe 10 minutes long and uh if you are interested in sort of you know just being cheered on and inspired and spurred to embrace your full creativity and living There's a nothing life. boring about listening to Ethan Hawk No speak either, I mean talk so. about a great audiobook narrator by the way um among other things but so so that I did post that and um it really spoke to me and things like that speak to me you know I I denied myself the things I think my soul knew from when I was a kid that you know once you start to put those things that society likes to you know Im- <laughs> imbue you with and you know family doesn't necessarily know any differently or or isn't just it's a familiar it's an unfamiliar path mm-hmm. to you know the people that are around you or or trying to show you a way of life and um to nobody's fault uh, i was also a late bloomer and a scaredy cat so i think that I knew at a very early age I wanted to be a creative person um, but I had no idea my mom my mom is a creative woman and has been her whole life and she's also been someone who has you know worked a job and had to raise a daughter and um, uh, she has an artist's mind um, and heart and soul and she's also had to just be a businesswoman and my dad um was uh is a, a a businessman and always has been and i think that he also had he he's a very creative guy in what he does but he you know took care he takes care of his family took care of his parents as they got older took care of his kids um you know always did everything very responsibly and so i grew up with this dichotomy fighting you know mm. inside me and i i I've always wanted to be creative, but I felt like, well, every little girl wants to be an actor or do this or do that. And there was nothing, I I didn't notice anything particularly special about my ability. So it wasn't like, you know, I was some child prodigy of any kind, like, you know, hiding somewhere. It was just that I had this desire to live in, in a creative way and to follow my heart. But I also was engulfed in uh, um, these ideas of, yeah, well, that's great, but, you know, get to work. How are you going to make a paycheck? How are you going to make a living? And um, I didn't give myself enough credit 
to follow through and those things until I started to get older. I went to college for something, you know, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do other than I knew I was interested in acting, but going to something, I always call it fame school. Like, cause I don't know if you remember <laughs> that show. And for me, yeah, it was a show sure. early on that I grew up with. And I was like, that was an environment I actually thought I could thrive in. And that was the only thing I knew about going to school for acting. So I was like, that didn't feel right for me, but not doing it didn't feel right either. And I, I just, um, I wasn't very brave at a certain point in my life. And so I went to school and I studied, you know, advertising and marketing and did as many creative things at that school that I could. And that were still sort of like safe creative, maybe they were safe creative. Um, definitely. I was interested in the, you know, the sort of, um, uh, creative side of those things, not just the business, really not the business side of it at all. But, um, and I took the, the, the place where I went offered acting classes and I took every single one of them and acted in everything that I could. Um, and then when I graduated, I, I met a friend who uh, was kind of pursuing a creative life. And uh, I went on four or five job interviews and started going on some auditions because this person sort of inspired me uh, at the same time. <laughs> and I never looked back. I never went on another job interview after that. And then from then on, I was out of school. I didn't want to go back to college at that point. Uh, but I never looked back and I was like, okay, I'm going to start piecing together my own creative education and my own creative life. And, you know, from 22 until I really built my career as an audiobook narrator, I worked as many different jobs as I had to and did my creative stuff, uh, along with that. But I was finally allowing myself to pursue that and audiobooks and now audio description are the thing that has truly allowed me to live the creative life I dreamt of all those years ago and um, had no idea how it was going to happen. And um, and so I have a, a tremendous amount of respect for the work because of what it's brought me. And I, I feel see. like we're we're hand in hand in this cycle and it is work and there are things you learn from it and there are things you do and don't do and like and don't like and it is a job Um but uh, so the Ethan Hawke video and the things that right. he talks about there and the path that led me to audiobooks and that led me to boxing and that led us to, you know, move twice across the country during this crazy pandemic <laughs> year and finally find the place that was right for us and having the right partner to do those things with it all happened at this sort of moment Um you know, where perhaps uh, a star might explode. And that's like, that's the moment in my life where it felt like all of those things fell into place. And from then on, I've never looked back. And that's been the last, you know, it's going on. It'll be 10 years soon. Um, and so things like that uh, video and the things that you talk about and the way you live your life and all of that, like they speak to me in that same way and I'm just happy however long it took me that I got to get here now and experience life in this way and talk to you about it very cool yeah I I, I, I sometimes when um, you know people I respect or, you know whose work I, I've admired and things like that when they tell me like hey man I dig what you do like it, it kind of go oh Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. Because I, 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 <laughs> you forget this is like this weird dichotomy I have sometimes where I'll I'll post something or we'll put out a podcast episode and then somebody will send us an email or or comment or something. And, I, you know, I kind of forget. It's once I release the thing, 
I forget that anybody's even paying attention to it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I mean, honestly, you know, I, I, I feel similarly, you know, in, in the work that I do. Like, you forget sometimes because you do it and we just, we do it because we love it. And sure, you hope people will listen and, you know, and hope people will dig it. But you also almost have to release it and then watch it come yeah. back to you in different ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, like, all all reality, you know, certainly if you're listening to this, tell your friends and your your, your enemies, too, because maybe they'll like it and they won't be such jerks. Um, <laughs> but but truly, you know, there is the whole thing about audience, but I just, I, I, I think I've been really fortunate enough. Um, I've talked about both of them on the podcast a bunch, but truly, uh, Justin Romack, the producer, and his wife, Angela, who, yeah, who does Justin. a lot of our... Our, uh, you know, all of the the artwork and stuff that's on the website and things like that. Oh, that cool. I would not be able to do this without people because I'm not an organized person. I forget things. I get things out of order. Whatever you know, things like that. And then honestly, um, having, I guess, is a little bit different because we are talking about the, um, the the partner side of it. But it, we, I guess, we talked about that when we started at the beginning too, right? Yeah. The living authentically. Yeah. Is is I think, um, I, I I had this this thought and I, I mentioned this to uh, to Andrew the other day that um, you know a lot of people and 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 this is not to knock anybody from a conservative background or, or from an evangelical background which is a lot of kind of my earlier years, mm-hmm. um, but there's this thing that that's that's talked about. Well, I want my my kids to be good more than I want them to be happy. I, and I and, and and there's something to be said for that. If you're kind of like kind of a jerk, but somehow you're happy being a jerk, well, okay, that's there's an issue there. But I think, and, and this is this is a curious thing that when you're happy and healthfully so, is the only caveat I'll put out that mm-hmm, I, th- mm-hmm. I think it's easier to be good. I... You don't have to try to get there. Yeah. So if you're able to live as close to your authentic self, that creativity that you're talking about, living authentically. And, you know, maybe you're not going to be a boxing champ. You're not going to be a Clarissa Shields or anything like that. But, <laughs> no way. Far from it. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, though. You yeah. can appreciate the struggle. You can appreciate yeah. the, the living out some facet of your existence in that world just a little bit, you know. I think that that allows you then to kind of unlocks the the hesitation, the the internal mental friction, so you can do the stuff that you're best at. I totally agree. And I think, I mean, this speaks, what you're saying speaks to so many things. And if we need to shut up or if we can take five more minutes. Yeah, we can take, um, we can take as long as you want. I, I'm particularly mindful of your time because you're, I appreciate you're, you that. And I do, I, do right I have now. a little more time. And, and this to me, this is like the heart of so many things. And I completely agree with you. And I also, I feel like, Sometimes when you hear yourself tell a story, I'm like, I first need to say, I don't, I didn't say anything about like my past or my sort of late blooming as any complaint to anyone or anything in my life. And I had a great, I was very lucky and I'm not crying or feeling sorry for myself. It's just sort of a fact that it took me a long time to really listen to my authentic self or feel like it was the right thing to do, um, as far as, well, where was my place in the world and within my family and within, you know, what were the things, what were the shoulds put on me mm-hmm. by other people or society or other other things? Not in a bad way, just matter of fact, it's what happens when you grow up with 
you know, in a certain neighborhood or in a certain family or in a certain economy or any of those things. So I blame no one. Um, I only say that as a way of saying like it doesn't matter when you start or when you get that mm-hmm. spark to want to try something different or feel like, hey, you know what, this isn't working for me or start to question those shoulds. We should do this. We should do that. Things have to look this way. Things have to be this way. And and that's the biggest thing. And, and that's a I think I think we are culturally, societally, hopefully within our humanity, waking up to these ideas um, more now. And right. I also think, and I speak strictly for myself, that I also know that I'm in a particular particular position to be able to do those things or to make those choices. And there is an entire, there are, are people all around us that just don't even, like it's not possible. Their survival is based on right. the thing they should or need to or have to do literally to survive every day and what i would like to work for the thing that i think i've found is my thing that i want to fight for in this world is that every every human soul wherever they are and whatever community they're in and whatever they're like everybody should have like we were all everybody should have the opportunity to find and be and live their authentic life and so those of us that you know, there's a, a privilege that comes with me being able to have this conversation with you. And I don't say that to throw our words around that are kind of, you know, a part of everything going on. I feel like I social media is such a... I think, the, I think the word fits. It is, and think. it does. And I, I need to acknowledge that for myself from where I come from and, and the opportunities that I have had. And I fully am aware that there are people that do not have that opportunity. And so where I'd like to step in and where I want to use this discovery from myself, because if I didn't get to discover it myself, then I wouldn't be able to necessarily do anything else. But because I have been lucky enough, then that's the thing that I believe is worth fighting for and taking to the streets and like making sure everybody's got this opportunity because it is truly, whether you are religious or not, there is a magic to this life and to being here in this time and there's things we can all tap into to make it a beautiful shared experience and uh, we have a lot of work to do and a long way to go so that everybody gets to have this experience Um, but I hope that those of us that get to make these choices in making them also make sure we pull everybody else up with us if that makes sense. 100% 100% does your 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 and this is why honestly the the whole um concept of an adventure mind intentionally doing what we're doing it's it is so much bigger you know yes you know I'm I'm the host of the show and and yes you know obviously there's a thing but what you're talking about is something I believe in so strongly the more I've been able to unlock that for myself um it's taken a while for me to kind of really embrace that. And I'm still, there's still aspects of, of my own existence where I don't. Absolutely. Um, but the, I think, I think the more exactly right, the more we're able to do it authentically ourselves, then there is the opportunity to bring people along. And and I, I realized partway through a couple of years ago, uh, or whenever it was when I, I switched coaches, 
uh, surf coaches. Mm. And I had, I got to the point where I was not enjoying surfing. I hated surfing mm -hmm. because it was all about the competition, getting ready and the spectacle and the media attention. And it's like, I, I didn't enjoy it. And then somewhere along the way, I kind of, I got off track. This was after I'd already decided to do some of this stuff full time. But then it shifted and I enjoyed it again for my own sake, but I also enjoyed it for more genuinely because I was seeing my ability to help other people. Because yeah. now I, I, I see, like I'd get people that would be, you know, a guy who had lost his leg a while back, different disability, but he was at my last, um, or the last surf contest that I had in 2020, like just before the shutdowns. And he was encouraged by just the fact that I was out there and I was doing it. And, you know, I've talked to other people who are thinking about giving surfing a shot as things open up and, and, you know, um, it's broken down my, uh, prejudice. I had, unfortunately, I had prejudice based on people who were not neurotypical. I, we work in the, yeah. the local organization that's out here. Um, my, my surf club, uh, Wave Swirl, we have a lot of members that are on the autism spectrum and, that regular interaction with people on the spectrum completely changed. Um, you know, I never felt like people who were on the autism spectrum were less than, but I, it, it really, I didn't, I didn't understand it, not on, on a deeper level. And being able to interact with people on a daily basis and seeing them expand. It's a guy who's basically nonverbal, basically says almost nothing, but now mm. he, he recognizes waves and he's like, you know, to my friend John, who coaches, you know, kind of is one of the main people kind of helping out. He was like, hey, Coach John, wave big time. And like, like he can huh. barely talk at all. Wow. But he says that much. And then you got yeah. this guy, Julian, who is verbal. And he's helping out. Um, he is on the autism spectrum. And then he, uh, one of the last events we had before, because you know, we usually have a, a monthly event. Um, and, you know, as things are, it's safe enough to do so, we'll do that again. But there was a, a kid that was, I don't know how different they were in age, who was completely nonverbal, like had to use a letter board in order to communicate. Mm. Um, and, but because they were both on the autism spectrum, this, this kid Julian, uh, you know, like uh, older teen, he understood him more. And he, being verbal and a comp real competent surfer at that point, was teaching this kid, uh, Cade, how to, how to surf. Wow. Even though Cade couldn't speak, like the and but the, it was just and being able to get be a part of experiences like that that changes everything. It truly does. I mean, and that speaks to what you're talking about. You you know you you keep bringing up the power of story, and that is exactly what you're doing here with the podcast. And it's what I hope that I'm doing, getting to share stories in the way that I do through the audiobook narration and. Um, in the audio description and what I would, you know, it, when we get to be back on stage and doing plays or shooting films sure. and things like that, like uh, that, that is the thing. I mean, through all of this, and I mean, look at, look at where we are. And I, I, I'm not, I do not need to or want to turn this into the whole political discussion that sure. it could be, but just in general, as far as humanity goes, like, look at where we are right now. Look at everything that's coming up. And we can either choose, you know, there's plenty of people that are shutting it all down on both sides. You know, at this point, there's, a, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of hate coming from everywhere. And some of it is granted, others is just, is fear-based. And there's, there's a lot of division. I think we'd agree on there's that. There's a tremendous amount of division and that's exactly how they want it. <laughs> like, they, you know, they, like, yeah. you know, that's, that's 
that's they they want us divided and and I feel like the power of story that you're talking about and the yeah. the the power of the more people that are opening up to whatever the light is in them whatever that light is whatever that authenticity is even if you're a jerk living your authentic life, as long as you're not a jerk hurting other people, like maybe you're just brash and that's who you are and you got to own that. Like, okay, <laughs> Find a cool. way to channel it in a way that actually helps, you know, Yeah, but if you can kind of turn that into some kind of service, then great. You know, brutal honesty is important sometimes, <laughs> um, you know, to a, to a degree. No, it is. It's important. But, but uh, you know, and that's the thing. It, that is, it all comes down to listening to mm-hmm. one another. And there will be people you will never be able to get through to. And that's, I think, where a lot of our division is coming in and, and all of that. And I think we have to stop wasting our time and and hating those people because we've got work to do. Because we've got people on the ground from every walk of life that want to come together. And I think we everybody's got to let their story out right now. Like the pendulum is swinging the other way. And we almost have to have all of these different groups screaming for the things that they need because we need that awareness. We need to understand where we have been lacking. And then the hope is once we get through that, because everybody needs Mm -hmm. to be able to tell their story and needs that story to be heard. And we need to understand and we need to listen. And then I think when we get through this work, which hopefully the majority of us will do together, that we can then swing the pendulum back into this place where I think we all ultimately want to be, which is living together in respect of the things that make us unique and different Mm. and celebrating those things, not for the sake of catchphrases, um, you know, like it has to fit this quota or be this thing or we have to call it this. It's just about, oh, hey, man, your mama cooks this on this holiday that you guys celebrate. That's kind of like what my grandmother cooked on this day in our house over here. Or, you know, we, we, through the differences that we have, actually end up celebrating all of that. That makes us unique and different from one another, but in such a way that ends up knitting us all together. And that is the power of story and the power of talking with you, having conversations like this and the work that you're doing. And, you know, because the more people hear, I think, you know, whether even if there are things they can't identify with. I mean, I'm certainly trying to make sure I'm listening to all kinds of things, things I don't necessarily want to listen to or hear, but want to have an understanding for or that is an experience very different from mine. Even in a new this new place where I'm living, there's a lot of experiences very different than what I'm used to. But I am it also allows me to understand why there are people that think the way that they do. You know, I grew up in a big city and I've only ever lived in another big city. So I don't have a range of experience for people that live in very small towns. Um, And you start to sort of understand where certain things come from, whether they're right or wrong. And I'm not here to have that discussion or judgment right Right. now, but you... But just to understand, at least so that... And then you learn how to have that communication, you know, and and again, not everybody's open to communication and that's where we're having our problems right now, but (laughs) but I I, I totally agree and I think, you know, I honestly thank you so very much for asking me to just 
have a chat with you because it's really cool and I love being able to talk about this stuff and and I feel like being able to cheer each other on in that and you know things like that Ethan Hawke video and things like you know things that we're learning about that are going on in our world right now around us and I really hope that it's this kind of stuff and sharing and talking about and identifying you know we all have a heart we all have a heart we all have a soul and damn if I don't believe that those are the things that are going to bring us together somehow so awesome hey Nicole thank you so much thank for coming you. on this has been beautiful and, and you're absolutely right this is you know the, these conversations can <laughs> I think if I'm just going to re- regurgitate it I think you said it better so I think I'll leave it at that but I wholeheartedly agree and uh, for, <laughs> for everyone listening and uh, always adventure is a state of mind how you live it is up to you